What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 343. Uh, my name's Steve. I'm one of the co-hosts. And as always, I'm joined by Ron and John. What's up, fellas? Not much. Good. good, good, good. Yeah, yeah. John's not much. You're good. What about you, Steve? Um, I'm okay, man. I got a nice haircut today. I feel like yep. a little lighter. I got it shaped up a little bit. That's exciting. I thought we were going to see that rooster stash this week. You know, man, I'm going to tell you, I trimmed it up. I didn't trim the stash. Maybe Mm -hmm. I'm, 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 if I see it one more time in theaters, I think it's going to push me over. I'm I'm threatening, I'm threatening Aaron. Like, if you don't make me go see Top Gun Maverick Mm -hmm. again, because I'm coming home with this, just a mustache. She's going to look over at you halfway into the movie and see that you're shaving in the movie theater it, shaving it i'm gonna take it with me yeah. no, oh no don't yeah. don't question that <laughs> we're gonna go on a weeknight where i'm not gonna disturb anybody if you hear that little clipper turn on <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh man well you know they have that uh, app that's like these are the times that if you're gonna shave during a movie these are the best yeah. times to shave during the movie yeah yeah, yeah. made yeah i mean obviously everybody uses that app when when to shave.com right <clears throat> when to yeah. shave right <laughs> <laughs> like what to wear outside, you know, yeah, those, or when to like pee, when to pee. Yeah. Um, cool, cool. yeah. So it's going to be another catch up episode. John, you're calling it a messy cup, messy catch up episode Yeah. Uh, on our text thread. And, and, and it very well could be, but we have uh, no plan. This is just yeah. completely just rolling with it. We've seen uh, a very interesting mix of things. Yes. Whether it's um, some feature films, some docs, some TV shows, <clears throat> Um, some that we've been kind of tracking on the podcast week to week. We can probably mention something briefly about those shows, but um, yeah, we're just gonna chit chat <clears throat> and catch up. I, I know I, I feel like this last week I've seen so much. I don't I don't I know mean, I don't know what happened, but like I just feel like I had a window and I saw a movie in a theater and I saw another movie in a theater. Um, damn, stop yeah, stepping on us, man. I, I don't know. Like one was planned. And the other one was kind of like spare the moment, like, yeah, let's do that. Um, yeah. But with very mixed results of, of the movies that I want to mention, um, it's not all it's not all uh, positivity today on the podcast. <laughs> I try okay. to I try to I try to be find the positive moments in it, but I think in general I've seen some uh, not great things this past week. Um, oh wow! But some very good things. So yeah, again, I'm a mixed bag this week, which is exciting because I feel like recently I've been liking a lot of stuff. <laughs> just keeps, keeps me leveled out a little bit yeah. you, you start to wonder if you're slipping if you're liking too much stuff you know yeah, if you're yeah. Like, man i'm liking everything oh. these days similarly if you're if you're not liking anything it feels also like, like it, i'm broken yeah, yeah or is i'm yeah. there's something wrong with me you know yeah. can i talk about something that i was broken about that i am no longer broken about i was, oh i think i, I might you. know what you're what i you're prefer you to here. yes okay man you know you guys have, have uh been Longtime fans of Stranger Things. And, you know, I was uh, for the first two seasons. I, I Perfect TV to me, right? Third season came around and I was pretty vocal about how it kind of lost me. You know, I, was, yes, I remember that yes. whenever you guys talked about it, I was quiet as a church mouse. You know, I was like not saying very much. And then, you know, season four came around and you guys, you know, just the texts were cryptic. The information was weird, but I could tell that something was different about it. And then when I mentioned it after not listening to you guys spoil it, you know, I was kind of you guys kind of mentioned, you know, give this one a try. I think you, you'd you like it a lot more. Yeah. 
So I gave it a try. And not only did I enjoy it, I cried. <laughs> I cried like a baby at times where I did not think that I'd cry like a baby. And I think that's, I think that it's almost like the Duffer brothers listen to, cause you know, I wasn't the only one that kind of mentioned this. You know, I, I kind of heard rumblings that people didn't feel quite as strongly about it, liked it, but weren't quite as, as big on it as they were. And I'm I feel like that's like, where I was with it. Like there's there's always yeah, been characters yeah. that I love, and I like the way Murray kind of became more prominent in season three, and I like certain things mm -hmm. they did. But I felt like the formula, or I don't know, there was something about it that was starting to feel like I kind of knew what it was, and I sort of knew mm -hmm. the way they were going to vary it. And um, yeah, I, I I think I remember us saying to you, if you were turned off by season three, season four feels some, I mean, even though it's only a four season show, but it does feel it's a little bit more classic Stranger Things, like whatever that charge you got from that first season, the fourth yeah. season feels like it's tapping back into that kind of primal, real hooky form of of horror mixed with adventure. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm um, glad you're digging it. it. What I'm, made you I'm cry? I'm really digging it. Uh, you know, man, don't have to fucking spell it out for you guys. The fourth episode, that fucking scene. I, yo, okay, so I can't figure out, I still can't figure out why that got me so emotional. And I think some of it really maybe have, has to do with like, um, maybe now that I have a kid, I think about, you know, I had a really weird childhood. Like, it was like really nice and really weird. And, you know, I, I lived in a, in a kind of bad neighborhood but i had a lot of fun i was allowed to be a kid you know mm -hmm. and you know it, when it stopped it stopped um and this is kind of one of those things that this is kind of talking about like you know being a kid is you know when you're in a moment it could be really incredible and there's this weird thing that happened this time around where i was present in this in this show i was present in my memories and i'm most present in now somehow simultaneously and that made me really emotional the idea that you know um that a story could be told that feels so much like just going outside do you remember like going outside and then coming into the house and and like breathing really heavy because you almost fell out of a tree or you were running <laughs> from a dog and your mom doesn't know why your dad doesn't know why, but you're just like, <laughs> uh, you got to get it out. Show, yeah. yeah, that's what this show feels like, man. In that moment, um, you know, it's a little corny about like, you know, some of the messaging, but like that gets to my feels, man. Um, I think that it's just really well done. And I, the, the homage to all of the things that we've seen before, including a really heavy handed kind of nightmare on elm street kind of thing going on that feels like man i didn't want to talk about this before i wanted to talk about this now this something about this feels like the unofficial nightmare on elm street that i wish we would have gotten through one of these through the remake or something there's something about the way that this is handling kind of dream-like states in the upside down feels like the dream world that freddie was in like there's right. something about this that feels like, oh my God, like they they're doing something that I I haven't felt since I first watched those movies. Right. Well, I think I they've said as much as that they were inspired by that. And I remember when the season first hit, people were saying, Oh, this is the better 
of all the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street remakes, you know? And I was at first like, what really? do they mean? But very quickly right, I was right. like, oh, I get yeah. like, cause it's the way it's using like the person's personal history and the person's personal memories. And yes. whereas with Freddie, it was, we kind of joked. It's like with Freddie, you'd be like, I love chewing gum. And then your nightmare would be something to do with chewing gum. Um, yeah. But, uh, but this was a little bit more like, oh, you can see that these characters, maybe not even so much these characters have all done something horrible, but that yeah. this, this villain can take what Whatever it is you feel worst about. So it doesn't matter who you are, you feel worst about some, something is the thing you feel worst about, even if it's mild compared to something else. And so yeah. I like that idea of like, it's like Freddie using a thing someone's attached to or a fear, yeah, exactly. but it's like, yeah. it's a little bit more psychologically elemental and scary in a way, because it really is saying that thing you already feel bad about, this thing is now pressing on that and making you feel isolated from people and making you yeah. feel alone. So no, I think you're right. And I, but I'm, I, I think it's, you said such a great thing, Ronald, that thing about this show hitting you on different levels where it's like, it makes you nostalgic for your childhood, whether this is what your childhood looked like or not. And yeah. you feel nostalgic for this era because the movies and the entertainment and the stories that, that Stranger Things is referring to are a lot of these things that are part of our culture that we've, that have become part of just the backdrop of the stuff we love. So it's the yeah. interesting thing of it's making you nostalgic for like a cinematic childhood that may or may not have been yours. It's making right. you nostalgic for your own childhood that may or may not have looked like this. And it's making you feel like you're in the middle of poignant shit right now because you, I mean, especially like you said, as a parent, you recognize that like, it's going to be a generation and then a generation and then a generation. And every generation is going to have some form of entertainment that makes them look back and think this way. And the fact that the Duffers are younger, right? They're, they weren't like children of the eighties. Maybe yeah, I'm yeah. wrong, but I think that they aren't. I think they are. Yeah. They're younger than the, than the characters they're depicting. So even they have this kind of remove from the thing. So those layers you're talking about, Ronald, it is part of the magic of this show. And, and season mm. four is stronger I, not, I don't even think necessarily just in season three. I think it might be the strongest season yet in terms of the themes, in terms of the storytelling, in terms of the characters. Yeah. Um, I, I've heard people with logis, you know, logical complaints about this season. But now that we've all seen it, we can talk a little bit about some of the successes of it. Um, um, one thing I want to just throw out there, I really love how they spend a lot of the season showing how Robin and Nancy are forming this kind of friendship which is just good to see like, oh, it's a female friendship that's kind of growing out of this situation and it's not just about boys or whatever, even though they do talk a lot about that stuff. And then I was yeah. like, as we were getting late in these episodes, I was like, oh, it's interesting to see that they then throw Eddie and um, um, Steve together and they too have like a more tender relationship in those scenes than you would expect that they would have just based on the story we've seen so far. So I feel right, like yeah. it's it was like, oh, cool. They, they're not just showing like female friendship and how it can grow, but they're also showing that like when boys stop bullshitting and act vulnerable, that they too can grow. And like the fact that Eddie and Steve, who you would think would be totally at odds, the fact that they're able to have this kind of like, I kind of understand your point of view more than I did before, or I don't know. And also like they're bonding over Dustin. Oh, what happened to Ronald? He dropped out of the video. But anyway, I just think that those things were really strong for me. What was I'm something here. that... What was something that really worked for you, Ronald, in those, in those, just, just a little note, a character beat, a scene, something that you really liked from, uh, from this, this batch of shows? Um, I think, yeah, I think that's what it is. I think the, the relationships between the characters, um, you know, that it's, it's almost like, you know, they had to tell some of this story in the third season that kind of built to what we're seeing now. And then it got back to what made this thing special, which is 
the kind of Amblin. So Amblin kind of got to what was special about friendships, which is like funny banter, you know, the innocence, and then like the, the like wanting to break out of this, you know, you're, you're kind of in this weird state as a teenager because you're capable in a lot of ways and then you're not at all and you feel like you are. So it's like it capturing that angst that's in there is like something that a lot of shows don't do very well. And Stranger Things is kind of getting back to those movies where like, you know, th- these movies are considered like some of the best ever. It's not just because they were in the 80s. It's because they were well-made movies. There's a there's a real... Um, there's a lot of quotables. There's a lot of fun dynamics, you know, to the point where you're like, I can't wait till this character meets this character. Yeah. It'd be crazy when this character meets this character. <clears throat> like that's that's a dynamic that I have never felt in a TV show that I've seen in the last like 20 years, besides maybe The Wire or, or Sopranos or something like that. Right. And the fact that a, a show that calls upon all these things references it, but doesn't feel like it's relying on it so much. Um, I really do love that. So, you know, the really literally almost every scene that I'm seeing with the guys in it, but, you know, with all the friends um, and seeing some of the new characters interact with the old characters. And you're like, man, this guy belonged here the whole time. The sister belonged there the whole time. Like she is so funny, man. And she yeah. keeps all these little quips and stuff like that. And um. And then when you think she's just annoying enough, she helps solve an issue. So it's like it's 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 stuff that I really, really love. Or, or you see that like the... she actually kind of likes being part of the adventure or part of the group. Like yes, she's a nerd yes. on top of thinking they're yes. nerds. I think that it's really cool to see that she's like she fit right in with the D&D crowd when they asked her when they mm-hmm. finally asked her. She was like, all right, if we're doing this, we're going to do it my way. <laughs> but she yeah, I, I agree, Ronald. She's she's like one of those fun characters that you see growing like she was such a delight when she first popped up. Because she kind of punctured the, the 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 seriousness of what the the characters were doing, um, and then I think in season three it was one of the strengths of the season actually that she kind of became part of the extended ensemble. And then this season, yeah, when they show her, you're like, oh yeah, we haven't seen her yet. Like when they when they catch up with her, you you realize you've been kind of, you know, missing that character. I don't know. I think it's it's great that they have such a huge cast. It makes me worried though. <laughs> there's there's some there's definitely some people yeah. who seem like they're not going to make it uh just because of if you just look at the economy of characters, there's a lot of yeah. a lot of extra people standing around. I, um do you have an, a particular cliffhanger from from the 7th episode that you were, you know, without maybe getting too spoilery, is there any particular plot line that you're that you're most invested in or or um, I figured out that a villain was a villain, uh, and I I I, th- I thought about it like I was like it'd be weird if it'd be somebody within this world that we've seen before. And the reveal, God damn man, it couldn't have been more perfect to me. Like you know, you see everything, and then they show that little piece of information. It's like God, could you have delivered this any more perfectly? I don't think so. I do. Are not we talking think about so. the um? Uh, in the in the institute, that storyline kind of yes. Okay, no, you yeah, knew there was something up with that character. You spent yeah, the whole yeah. the whole the whole time thinking maybe maybe he's just in somebody's mind or maybe he's something. But then you there's you know it's one of those things where every time you think maybe you know that it's 
that it's not real or something. They 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 yeah. they throw in. And so yeah, when they finally get to what it is, and you realize what's been going on this whole time. But also, I feel like that flashback. How that? I mean, am I right? That forces us to recontextualize what we think we know about Eleven's past, right? Like, right. That yeah, she's not maybe this person yeah. who's done these things that she thinks yeah. she's done. Um, is, am I yeah, right about always, that, Steve? That it kind of changes the way we view maybe what we think we know about about Eleven. <clears throat> I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think this whole journey that she's been on, kind of going through these memories and reliving these memories, um, filling in a lot of holes that she didn't remember at all or didn't know anything about. So yeah, I think there's yeah. definitely brings the question whether you know what she thought she remembered in prior seasons was actually what happened. You know, and I think that's probably something they're going to do a little more exploring with over the last two episodes and probably into the last season um yeah i don't know just i'm really glad that you know you liked it ronald i mean it's definitely it feels so strong uh to me and i think it's you know, strong beyond, as shit beyond like yeah. the reception of it and like you know all the records you know the data that netflix chooses to release uh, you yeah. know, there's no question that there's still, you know, a demand and a want to see this property, which is great because it was away for quite a bit. Um, and, you know, I think what you guys were getting at earlier with like the pairing of the different characters and like how that works so well. And I think it really just boils down to like how well they develop the characters and how well written the show is that, you know, you really could you really could like siphon off a character with any character and it would be interesting enough, you know, that you'd be like, yeah. cool, this is like a fun thing to do. Um, mm. so, I, if I was going to say one, anything about the show that I like the whole West coast thing seems like those characters are a little like may, maybe it comes to be more in these final two episodes. I, I hope it does. Um, Cause that would probably be the only piece that seems a little loose to me, especially, especially like the will of it all. I think the will character seems kind of set up to be a pretty major character in the series as a whole mm -hmm. um and and to kind of leave him out as much as it feels like they have um you know i'm hoping that is intentional for story purposes and you know what's to come and whether it's the end of this season or what season five becomes i just really hope that there's more to will because i think his place in the story as a whole the whole arc really matters more than i feel like we in recent memory like think about because he he does feel like he's kind of gotten left out a bit. Well, Will and Mike and Jonathan are all in that kind of sideline storyline that had a very amusing development when they when they went to uh, Dustin's uh, girlfriend's yeah, Susie, yeah. house, and you sort of see like the sort of family. Like it was nice to see this kind of different sort of uh, yet another family and how they are different yeah, yeah, from yeah. any of the families we've seen thus far. Um, and a lot of people were local people were saying was that little kid a, a tribute to John Waters with the little pencil thin mustache? I thought oh, it was yeah. funny that that he was just like a director and like if you're going to be a director you have to have that you know the pencil thin mustache. <laughs> right, but at right. any rate, I thought that was a fun little diversion. But if you stack it up against some of the stuff that's going on with the other group of characters that have gone into the Upside Down and how they get there and how exciting all that is. And then you have the kind of murder mystery that's going on in Hawkins that's spilling out into the supernatural stuff, or that's spilling out of the supernatural stuff, but the yeah, people right. in the town are starting to realize something's going on. And in the Russian prison stuff, there's so much stuff that's more interesting than that plot thread. I actually right. wondered, are these actors the busiest ones? That doesn't seem like it would make sense. But like Finn Wolfhard, at least, is the guy who pops up in so many things. I wondered, is this a scheduling thing? Because right. the only other answer is what you said, Steve that maybe they are going, maybe they're deliberately kind of trying to make us forget about those characters to some extent, so that at yeah. some moment they can kind of come in, 
you know, Millennium Falcon coming back to help save the day at the end of Star Wars style, where it's like, we, we want you to think these guys are off twiddling their thumbs, doing silly stuff, and then just don't show them for a couple episodes so that when they show up, it's got weight it, and it's it like, feels oh, like that they're back. But if they don't have that, I'll wonder what the deal is. Like, are they saving something for season five? Because it seems like if you were looking at the scripts and you were these actors, if you were Will or Jonathan or, right. uh, or Mike, you would be like, um, so we kind of screw around. I mean, those, there's, there was some exciting stuff with the FBI or whoever that was that they were dealing with earlier. Yeah, that, that sequence stuff. in the house was really cool. Like when and they so come, cool. they come for and, them. And didn't you love how that guy who seemed like he was just cannon fodder yeah. turned out to be like a much more useful Hell yeah. character? I thought that was a great idea. It was great. Show somebody he still mm-hmm. ends up really, really. Both of them end yeah. up being yes, pretty yes. important. Yeah, right. Even the one that it's they crazy. take to feel to feel worse for that guy though. What, yeah, the, like, obviously. Yeah, because because you they're so mean to them at mm-hmm. first. They're just like shut up. Don't yeah. talk to me. I watch a TV, and then yeah. they do this heroic thing. Yeah, man. That. That's good TV. That's a, it's really good TV. So yeah, thank you guys for kind of. Oh, of course. I'm glad you liked it, man. I yeah. think I I think if you guys would have been like see it right now, I don't know if I would have. I'm glad that you guys did it the way you did it because I kind of was like on a whim, like hey Aaron, we should probably start it up. Let's see what's going on. This is the second to last season. We know your um, love language, Ronald. We know we we know how to talk to you about something if we want you to like it. That's like I, now, I, yeah. I I need to like take it and leave it out and say, "Hmm, this is a pretty good show," and then just walk away. Uh, and then you'll yeah. kind of come out and be like, "Well," and now you've now you've paced it out that you only have to wait two weeks now for yeah. the last two episodes. So like, it's oh not, man, like you, you're not waiting a month, yeah. you know, like like everyone else that binged it. You got you got a little mm. bit of a, a, a less yeah. of a distance there. I feel I feel very fortunate. I yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. I, I'm trying to figure out how Aaron's gonna feel about watching that much. So I may try to like I might say like, hey, how about I watch this episode, you watch it on your own time, and then we meet back up for the second one. You yeah. know, that's that's it's, if it's really two and a half hours long, is it really supposed to be? It's that like two nineteen or two twenty. Yeah. It's 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 long. It's over two hours. I know. I saw that they confirmed. Wow, in total, when, it's when almost four weeks. hours of stuff. The remaining two, yeah, episodes. yeah, exactly. Or gotcha. it's a little over four. Um, Ronald, cool. I know you saw a movie that you wanted to talk about that neither Steve nor I saw. Didn't you see a documentary that you were uh, were wanting to discuss? <clears throat> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Part, part of Tribeca, uh, right? Yeah, part of Tribeca. This is a little sneak peek of some of the coverage that we're going to have in a couple weeks. But um, I got early access, and we have early access. If you guys should so choose to the DLC documentary. Uh, Tracy Lynn Curry, known as the DLC, uh, was really big in the late 80s into the 90s. He was the next one up. Uh, let's say he was like, he's like a ghost writer for uh, like Eazy-E. He, he wrote some concepts for NWA. He's kind of like the unofficial member of NWA. Um, and he had this... Um, the single it's funky enough which was really really popular in the 90s early 90s late 80s early 90s and his solo album was supposed to come out everybody's looking forward to it and a couple days before his album came out he got he was uh celebrating he got high uh he he smoked weed he did coke and he drank and he went on the highway and got into an accident that almost killed him Mm-hmm. and destroyed his vocal cords oh wow and the movie is about essentially like how he's been processing 
and the story of everything that led up to him getting signed because he's from Texas. You know, he's a Texas rapper that was in a group that Easy E kind of picked up on, and they flew him out to California, and he never moved back. Um, and it's about him thinking about his career in retrospect, like you know what I, what he did up until that point, because it's a really small amount of time. It's about a year to a year and a half that he did all these amazing things, and then he his career was essentially over. And he still tried to make music, but his voice is very different, as you'll see in the documentary. Now, he's interesting for a couple reasons. Um, not only is he a ghostwriter. Um, he's pretty much respected as a West Coast rapper, kind of, even though he's from Texas. So if you could imagine in this documentary, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem recites a verse from one of his songs, like in front of him. And he asks him, like, he's like, I never knew this part of this, this song. So he stops the documentary, brings DLC over, raps to him. And you, you got to see DLC's face, like, hearing one of the greatest rappers of all time recite your lyrics word for word and trying to figure out what was this part of this verse that's the dynamic of of what dlc was for people that know about him you know so you know it's it's about watching this journey and and how he's dealing with the possibility of possibly fixing his vocal cords not in the same not as it won't sound the same but maybe figuring that out and and what that would mean for him um, his, he has a kid with Erica Badu, which makes this even more interesting. So like his spiritual consultant is Erica Badu. So like whenever he makes it, uh, he's married with another woman, but when he need, when he needs to make a big decision, he talks to Erica Badu because I don't know if you've seen her. She's amazing. She has like this spiritual sort of energy to her. Um, so it's 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 a really cool dynamic documentary that I think that everybody, even if you don't know anything about um, hip hop or because the NWA thing is a little interesting because like because the DLC had the ending that he did in terms of his career, but, you know, it's not it wasn't over, but in the form that he had as a performer. When I say NWA, you probably never heard his name before. A lot of people haven't. You know, the only reason I remember is my dad used to record his videos on Video Music Box, which was a, you know, he was, my dad really didn't like hip hop. That's that that's what told me how good DLC was. He he kind of low key hated rap in a lot of ways, like newer rap as it started to get vulgar. He loved DLC. Um, <laughs> and something I distinctly remember about his video funky enough it's these rapping in like the water tunnel, like where Terminator Two is. Mm -hmm. So he's like, kind of like, oh yeah. I, I'm like, I know that. I I don't know anything about it. I don't know anything about L.A., but I know that's where Terminator was. And I I distinctly remember, like, seeing Terminator Two and remembering that he was filming in all these cool spots. So, yeah, the DLC is an incredible documentary, man. Like it it blew my mind, and uh, I would love to talk to him about it. So I'm a big hip hop fan, but I just, I'm distinctly uh, curious about how one is able to adjust because it took a lot of spiritual change that your identity changed the way that it did. You know, when 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 you get into such a you're known for your voice and how quickly you can rap, how how yeah. clear you sound putting words together and then you lose all of that. 
Well, you know, I, I just I just watched the clip you were talking about of Eminem uh-huh. doing the verse and then asking him what was this one part, and then the OC comes over and kind of you see him kind of getting into it while Eminem is doing yeah. it, and then you can see he's excited, you know, as anyone yeah. would be, I guess, in that moment. And then when he's like, "What's this part?" and then the guys he tells him and Eminem's like, how the fuck did you say all that? Like, how, how did you do that that way? I don't know. I love that. I mean, it's, it's, it's a great clip because part of the fun is seeing, I don't know, whenever you see people reveal themselves to be fans of something. Yeah. I love yeah, yeah. it. I love seeing that like Eminem is a fanboy of this guy and he's going to say, what's this part you did? And Oh my God, I can't believe you did that. How did you do that shit? I love that sort of like, it's so great when it comes across from, from one artist to another. Um, but anyway, no, the clips out there, if people want to look at it, if you just look for the DOC documentary, one of the first clips that'll yeah. come up is a new Eminem clip from the from the doc. So yeah, that's um, really cool. I was going to ask you it, about the style of the shooting. I guess this clip gives me a little sure. bit of a clue. So there's like a talking head element, but the fact that the oh, DOC yeah. is there and he kind of jumps in on the interview, um, it, what's the style of the doc? Does it, did it feel like it was a, a nicely made film on top of just being an yeah. interesting subject? It's really well shot. Um, and what's cool about it is DLC has quite a bit of actual footage of it of it as he was moving around. So like there's studio footage of like a young Easy E in the studio. Oh wow. There's a lot of footage of Dr. Dre as, as a as a younger guy, Snoop, because he's he was a mentor to Snoop when he first started rapping. So like, you know, he one of the coolest things is is doc as uh Snoop talks about the idea that he didn't know how to structure a song. And DLC helped him do that. So it's it's the talking head thing and a ton of real footage. There's no like reenactments or anything like some do. Because it's him handling some of it, it's so much of his footage and so much of like actual footage of him re- recording and concert footage. And, you know, it, this has to be kind of said w- within all this stuff, like, you know, back in the 80s, people are kind of rapping like, I went to the house to get my house, to get my woman. I got my gun. Like, everybody was rapping like that. And and DOC changed the way that rappers were rapping. So, like, it wasn't, it was like, once he came, people were trying different things. You know, that was like other people, but he was the biggest. So, for him to change the genre, and, and this is another kind of angle of the doc, a lot of people don't know about him. So he's talking to little kids. He's like, do you know who Snoop Dogg is? And they're like, yeah. And they're like, you know who DLC is? And they're like, very quiet. He just looks at the camera like, it may as well have been like a, a you know, like a, a, the the music from, uh, what's his name? David, Larry David. It may as well have been that music at the end of that part. But bum, bum, yeah, bum. It's, it's, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> It felt like that sort of moment, but yeah, it's 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 really cool the footage that they have, and it's really well filmed, and there's a lot of archival footage. So, by the way, that that, that meme cool. is always funny when someone takes like a footage of somebody having a uh, moment of, and especially if it's like you you get a good look at their face and you see them realizing what they've done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cut to the yeah. curb your enthusiasm. Music always works. Um, well, yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out. And I have not yet begun to dip into the Tribeca selections, but we should let people know. We're, we are going to be off next week, but the week after that, mm-hmm. I guess, is that when we'll be back with our Tribeca coverage? Yes. A little bit of a recap. Yes, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you got that to look forward to. Hopefully we'll put some 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 new films on your radar, but that's definitely one um, I'm curious about. 
Steve, you said you've been to the theater and seen a bunch of stuff, and you've, you're all over the board with this. Why don't you tell Man. us some of the movies you've seen? Let me let me, let me run no. down some. Let me run yeah, down do some it. things right here. Okay. So the so Ritter report. I'll keep I'll keep a balance here. I try I try to give you one and take one. So uh, okay. I'll start with things you could probably watch at home right now first. Okay. So um, okay. I, I like finally that. I finally checked out Riley Stearns' film Duel. Have you guys either of you seen this? Mm-mm. It's Karen Gillum and Aaron Paul. Very curious about um, it. Very interesting movie. It? Love that. I, I actually I liked it quite a bit more than I thought I would. Okay. Um, I didn't love the art of self defense that he did as his prior film. Um, s- similar kind of dry humor, kind of very dry in general, but a really cool idea for a story. It's kind of like, um, in in some version of t- you know the modern world, the ability to have yourself cloned. Um, if you're dying of an ailment or if you're sick or, you you know, so that that clone can learn about you and take over your life so that the loved ones can still have you around and your kids still, you know, you're there for your kids or your family or people okay. that you care for. Um, with one little caveat that if you have that done and you <laughs> make a turn for the better, you recover, you go into remission, whatever the, the situation might be, and you don't want your clone anymore. They have a duel, um, literally uh, walking off, and you have to fight to the death. And whoever survives becomes the original. So it's like a crazy idea. It's out there, high concept, but um, really like Karen Gillum. I I like uh, Aaron Paul's in it for a bit, not a lot. The style of this movie, the dialogue, the way it's delivered is not for everyone, but like just the Mm. idea of the movie, uh, the story itself. I thought was pretty interesting. And um, I, I like the idea of like ambiguity around, you know, the original person versus the, the, the copy or the double that they call it. And like kind of losing track of possibly losing track of who's who in certain situations. Um, but I thought it's, it was pretty it's good. It's so, me of living with yourself, the Paul Rudd show, like just the brief right, description. It's, it kind it's, of it's, it's not, it. it's not. Yeah. Yeah. They would totally be in this, uh, the same kind of conversation. Um, just a different kind of style of 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 a movie, though. I mean, that sounds um, more like a, almost like an action movie genre, fight movie genre. Whereas Living with Yourself is more suspense thriller kind of style. But it's still and I would dial it. That, I would. That, I would oh. dial it back though. It's not really action. It's oh, really? not really that. Like the duel itself oh. is what builds. To, okay. You know, it's it, it's like you see one actually in the beginning of the movie as a sample of what happens, but the main character's dilemma that would lead to her duel. Um, is like kind of what the movie builds to. So it's more dramatic, a little more uh, like suspense-ish, like, you know, in terms of like the way her family and friends are reacting to her wanting to not keep her double around and like to take her mm. life back over. Like it's very weird stuff. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, that one, I, I think is on like a video on demand platform. So you could check that out. Yeah. Um, I finally caught Fire Island uh, on Hulu, mm-hmm. which is... Um, Who's in that? Bone Yang and um, oh my god, the writer star of the movie. Um, yeah, he's in that new show, Loot, with uh, Maya Rudolph. Oh, um, what's his name? Oh my god, I should have wrote it down. No, I... anyway, it's it's on who's a three name person. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Joe Kim Booster. Yes, um, yes, yes, yes. So, so yeah, he's also on the Apple TV show. Um, loot with my Rudolph but Fire Island is great like it's a rom-com a gay rom-com this group of friends go to Fire Island every year and stay in the house and just like have the week of their lives 
And um, it's just about them finding love, finding hookups, finding whatever they're each looking for with their annual vacation. Um, and I just, I thought it was great. I really liked it. Um, very funny. I really loved Joel Kim Booster. Like I like Bo and Yang. Like he's, you know, I, I, I like him on SNL quite a bit. He's one of the highlights for me usually. He when I really do watch grew SNL. on me. I, I don't know. At first, maybe it was just what he was given. I, I thought maybe he was a little one note. And then it was like, yeah. I don't know if it was, I don't know, maybe after a season or something, I just clicked so hard. And now he makes me laugh just about every time he comes right. on, everything yeah. he does. So no, I think he's very, he's a good like deliverer of lines. You know what I mean? In, in the sense of, and I could tell from the trailer of this, that he's, he's seems like he's one of the more comic characters, but maybe, maybe he has some dramatic moments in this too. How was he? He as does. Far as, okay. How was he? Yeah. Like, how was it seeing that side of him? You know, someone who you're used to seeing in sketch comedy. It's good because like it, in, in the, in the story, like they're the two of them are like really the best friends of this group. And there's a lot of like kind of conflict in terms of what they're each looking for in life in this trip. And, you know, how they approach their relationships and it even kind of really challenges their friendship. So I feel like he really gets a lot of that, like kind of uh, like those 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 moments of challenge, whether it's challenging your friend or challenging your relationship itself with your friend or challenging yourself. Like he, he really hits a lot in going out of his comfort zone of, uh, or that character's comfort zone in the movie. Um, and I mean, it's just, it's really funny. It's really sweet. And it's just, it's super romantic. Like, I just thought it was great. Aaron and I both really, really enjoyed it. And that's on Hulu um, that you can watch right now. Well, the trailer um, looked great. It looked really warm. Yeah, yeah I, I, def that's definitely a, a recommend. Um, also, another recommend on Netflix is the Adam Sandler uh, NBA movie, uh, Basketball Hustle. Hoops Hustle. So um, good. I loved, I loved Hustle, like, period. Like, it's just a great. It was great. Great sports, comedy, drama, like whatever you're looking for. And, you know, the, these kinds of feel yeah. good and inspirational underdog movies. Um, for my sports movie, guys, it's it's blue chips with a white dude. If you if sure. you guys are from it, if you, you know, it's 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 that same sort of concept and done in a way that's honestly I, the performances that they got out of all these pros. Oh, man. I don't know yeah. what. Like it's crazy. Like they captured lightning in a bottle somehow. Like because typically when athletes are on stuff and coaches, they're really bad, man. This is this, the performances were really good in this one. Yeah, I mean Kenny Smith, Anthony Edwards, uh, Wancho, oh, like they're they're all great in the movie. Like if you yeah. didn't know that they were NBA players, which like the people that I watched it with did not, and I was like, those are legit. Like people though those are stars in, in their own yeah. right and they're like oh wow like they're actual players and because yeah they were great i mean specifically you know wancho being like the kind of the star of the story really beyond sandler yeah um he was incredible like he was so good like he he could yeah. deliver like a, a comedic beat really well and like you know when it came time for more you know drama i thought he really kind of stepped it up and um <laughs> and it's so funny because i feel like for all of my second guessing that I feel about like some of the, you know, the really kind of phoned in Netflix movies that Sandler has done, you know, mm. with this deal that he has, this obviously kind of sits outside of that. Um, even though it's, a, I think it's a happy Madison production still, but I, you know, it's just, it's just different breed of Adam Sandler movie. Like yeah. it's not uncut gems in the sense of the, the type of movie, but it is a movie where like, it's, it's such a charismatic performance. And it's like, someone made a comment to me that like, 
this is kind of like his Jerry Maguire in a way, because this is the kind of movie that 20 years ago, Tom Cruise would have been in. And like, it would have been that thing where he's funny. He's dramatic. He's inspirational. Like you, you still, for some reason, even though, you know, he's a star, you kind of like sympathize, empathize for this character. And I, I think he really manages all those things. And I think he's just great in this movie. Like halfway through it, I was like, this is why I love Adam Sandler still like, you know, and I, yeah. I will always, even if he makes shitty movies, like I'll still find these when he does a real good one. And um, well, he's proven that him making a shitty movie doesn't mean anything. True. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I don't mean that to sound tacky, no, no, but I just right. mean like right. he's totally made right. good ones. He's made shitty ones. He's made, he's made low, like ones that get under your radar and they're funny. He's made ones that get un- under your radar and they're emotionally affecting. He's made movies with great auteurs. He's made movies with his house, directors who just go like and friends they that you know they make movies uh, they travel to a location they want to go to and they make whatever vacation basically and and yet he's proven that he can do like you know uh what was the one uh jack and jill and then he can do uncut gems you know what i mean and like nobody seems to hold one like it doesn't stop the people who love Adam's quote unquote Adam Sandler movies, they don't not see them because he's made Art House Fair and the Art House directors that like to work with him, clearly the Safties and PT Anderson and people like that, they see something that you're talking about. They see that quality, this very charismatic actor. Um, right. You know, he's someone who I almost, I, I, there's certain people who, if you could just measure, it's like, oh, I like that person more every day. Somehow, every time he pops up, I feel Absolutely. more warmly towards him. And I think it's just because he has carved out such an interesting career. You know, he wasn't always my go-to guy for the comedy stuff early on, but even that stuff is funnier to me now because of the strong vein of silliness that runs through it. And um, yeah. especially if you hear him in an interview talking about like Opera Man, some of his ridiculous yeah. characters. He was just on the uh, Fly on the Wall podcast with David Spade Dan- and David yeah, Carvey. Yeah, listen to that one. The and live um, it, I mean, honestly, I could. I, he's one of the most likable people I've heard talk about their work. He seems so much to enjoy the whole thing the whole deal, the whole ride that he's on. Um, yeah. I don't yeah. know. V- very, very endearing, charismatic guy. I agree, Steve. Yeah, it's great. And I mean, yeah, you you can't help but root for him. And like, yeah, I, I heard that same episode, John, and the entire time he just comes off as so like appreciative of everything. He, he like kind of, I love how he like just completely like sidesteps any kind of like attention that he gets. And like, he always throws it back to them and like other people that he was around. Uh just I don't know. I I I love Adam Sandler, and I loved that this movie was so good because I'd heard good things about it, oh, and the great. whole time I was kind of smiling and just kind of rooting for him and the the you know Wancho's character. Um, it's it's a little it's predictable, you know. It's like a sports feel good you know underdog story, but it it works, man. Like it it yeah. And the way they shoot a lot of the NBA training, a lot of the shoot you know the combine, like a lot of that filmmaking too is really good in the movie. I think yeah. the way they shoot a lot of his training sessions was awesome. Like the way they kind of had them had the players like standing on a glass floor and shooting up at them and coming over top of the glass. Like it's some that. really, really kind of like nice finesse yeah. filmmaking, not too flashy, but just very creative. Um, but yeah, hustles on Netflix right now. I think it's currently maybe the number one movie on Netflix. And, you know, I definitely recommend checking that out. Um, unfortunately, the two movies I saw in theaters, I didn't really like much uh, of them uh, in general. I liked one a little Felix. more than the other. But okay. Jurassic World Dominion is in theaters. It came out last week. Number one movie at the box office. All I can really say is it's it's kind of it's it's put it to bed kind of thing. Like they completely botched this movie, in my opinion. 
Um, really? It's not the worst movie I've ever seen. You know, it's entertaining enough <laughs> um, because of the fact that you get to see dinosaurs, which is just like always not, which is never not cool. You know, even when yeah. movies were and a lot of locusts, kinda, I hear. Yeah, too much locusts, and and that's the problem with the movie is that it kind of like pivots away from this cell of finally getting to this great idea of seeing dinosaurs loose in the world, in our world. Yeah. Um, and it kind of just kind of cheats out and and dips back into an isolated compound of like where dinosaurs are uh, a sanctuary of sorts. And instead it focuses on these locusts that are being, re- you know, <laughs> released on the world Bro. that were genetically engineered because of the science discovered through dinosaurs. It was just, it's just such a stupid idea for a movie that should have been way cooler to finally see like the King Kong element of Jurassic park, making it into the world, you know, like that idea could have been really cool. And they've been teasing um, that since the end of the first movie. Yeah. Like, think about it. The first movie ends totally. with the notion that, wait, no, dinosaurs can fly off of this island. Yes. Uh, or some, it's, animals can get off this island. It's just like it gives you that feeling that it's spilling out. And, of course, the second movie, they actually take you to that, but it's very contained. I agree, Steve. It seems like such a weird <clears throat> thing that they that they just haven't gotten to that yet and, and, and that this movie is not that. When the best imagery yeah. that you saw from this movie was like the – the the american west with like or not from necessarily from this movie i feel like that maybe they released some clips or some shorts or something but i feel like i've seen some images that i just thought looked like oh oh this almost looks like mutual of omaha nature footage of right. the american west but then here comes a dinosaur that's yeah. so cool i mean it's such a gut level cool thing to imagine seeing that totally. i'm i'm surprised that they i mean i guess i'm not surprised because they have successfully not made that movie like five times now but <laughs> it seems like such a no-brainer and it almost seemed like they were going to do it because it seemed like they know how to get the sort of even if they're kind of ripping off uh, Spielberg's style, it's that whole thing of majestic imagery that has like a certain kind of um, other element to it and showing like, oh, these beasts and the era of dinosaurs is kind of back and accept that they might run past the Circle K. There's just something about that that feels like I get a charge talking about it. I'm shocked that they, they didn't deliver that. And what's crazy is like the things you're describing, like those that footage, they released the whole prologue that that is what you're describing, like oh, okay. uh, the the running over time of dinosaurs in the past, in the present and what it looks like now that they're in this. And there's that great sequence in that prologue of the T-Rex kind of in like kind of just crashing this drive in movie theater experience and these awesome shots of people running and a kid looking at it. What that movie's is playing? None of that is in the movie. I don't know. I didn't notice. None of that is in the movie. Jaws or something. Um, And Mm. that's that's kind of like that's kind of what felt like as soon as the movie started, and it didn't start with that clip that was supposed to be like the start of the movie or or the prologue or however they marketed that. um, I was like, something's off. And like you know, within twenty minutes, thirty minutes, you're you're kind of in a world where the dinosaurs are either wrangled into like a black market or literally on an island again and it's just like ugh, not again and i mean the way they use there, there are there, there are some scenes that work like with the with the you know the legacy cast you know it's, it's it is great seeing them and they have some fun in the movie there's some good scenes in the movie there's a, there's two or three scenes that i think are pretty great uh most mm-hmm. of them are in the trailer and no. um yeah, I was about uh, to say. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, they're obviously longer scenes, but right. I mean, you kind of get a taste of them in the trailer for obvious okay, reasons because yeah. they do work the best. But um, you know, I just just a reminder of like a lack of chemistry between Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris, you know, Chris Pratt, and 
you know, just basically being done with these characters, man. Like, I don't know how many more times I can watch Chris Pratt go like <laughs> to, to, you know, the whole thing is like, that's how he trained the rafters. But like every dinosaur he comes to, that's what he does. It's like every fucking 10 minutes in the movie, he's got his hand up in a dinosaur's face. You're like, eventually one of them should just bite his hand off. Like, it's not going to work out for you, you know, but Dang. I don't know. It's a bummer. Like, I went and saw it with friends and, you know, my, my niece, we took, they took her and it was like, that was fun for me to watch her watch it. So I probably enjoyed it in an, in an entertaining way because I know that she was into it and enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. But when I sat with it more and thought about it more post seeing it, I'm just like, I can't believe they didn't do X. I can't believe they messed this piece up. I can't believe that like, you know, the big showdown of dinosaurs that they used in the third act is kind of inconsequential to the story. And it's just kind of a bummer, man. Like I, you know, I just, uh, I don't know. I just, it, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it's entertaining at least for the dinosaurs and you do get to see some new species that we hadn't seen before. So that is kind of fun. And, and those species are kind of the standouts in the scenes that I'm kind of alluding to. Um, mm-hmm. But this is kind of a, a miss of a movie for me. Um, Dang. The last, the last one I want to mention is um, actually one that comes out next week, uh, the 24th. But it's Baz Luhrmann's Elvis movie. Um, so I did go to the press screen that we got invited to. I took my mom. She's the ultimate Elvis fan. It's her number one guy. Um, you know, I was curious about it in general. She I like she she really liked the movie. And I think, you know, she she's okay. kind of sold on you know the music and and seeing that story, I think is a is enough of a hook that I don't it, 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 you know, no matter what, I think she would have still enjoyed it. You know, she's an easy mark, I guess, in this for this kind of movie. Um and in general, I I think I just usually really like Baz Luhrmann's movies. And like, this is not a horrible movie and it's okay. You know, I feel like it's just kind of in a middle of the road thing for me. Um, it's way too long. You know, he's got the these like scenes that just seem so redundant and so repetitive over and over again, just for style over substance. Um, and, you know, the music's really good. And I think that Austin Butler, who plays Elvis, is actually pretty incredible in the movie. And um, like the last act of the movie, when they're kind of exploring the whole Vegas element of Elvis's career, which, you know, my mom loving Elvis, like I know quite a bit about Elvis and like the story of of his career and what happened. I don't know a ton about Tom Parker or Colonel Parker. So that that was kind of a learning experience to learn more about that in the movie. I don't think that Tom Hanks is that good in this movie. Um, I was going to say weird. He he seems like comically weird and almost bad in the trailer. Like, but like, Mm. like him doing one of his accents. That's just not quite believable. Is that the whole, it's not there. And it's not, and it's not even, I don't know that it's even like that consistent. The whole movie it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's not like, it's not horrible. Don't get me wrong. It's just, it just doesn't work for me. I don't, and I don't know. That, that, that person i don't know if it's spot on i actually I, I i meant to kind of look into more about like some footage of the actual man and see what it's you know how it compares because you know um maybe that's what he was like i don't know but um the, the, yeah i'm like in the middle of the road on it it's like a three out of five for me i think i'd say like if i was given I, I posted a video of my mom and like an elvis 360 experience where you could like get like a th- one of those 360 camera videos and she was doing it to an Elvis song. I was, and it was like, it, I was on cloud nine watching her do that. Uh, That's really cool. So, um, 
that kind of made my again another factor in my viewing that maybe made me like the movie more than i actually did because i know mm. that she was enjoying it and like it was really something she was looking forward to but um the 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 takeaway for sure is the 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 guy who plays him austin butler you know if you don't know who he is um most people probably know him from once upon a time in hollywood most recently he was in that um tarantino's film but i think this will definitely kind of put him on the map and probably make a career for him because he is he's really pretty great in the movie he he looks great he sounds he sings you know the songs like he sounds like elvis and again, that third act when he's in Vegas and you kind of see the older, more damaged and frail version of this superstar, he really like he really brings it. And I thought that his performance is really good. But um, I'd probably say check that out. I mean, if you like Elvis or biopics or music, you know, it, it's all there. All the hits are there and uh, it's entertaining. It's just way too long. though. It's like two and a half hours long. It's like, why? Why is it two and a half hours? Dang. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that that's a ton of movies that I've seen in the last week. Yeah, I mean that was actually a lot already. I, I you know I was getting ready to say let's talk about some shows, but I don't know. Do we do we want to? Since that was actually a lot of movies that we discussed, um, yeah. I don't even feel bad that I didn't see any of them. Does anybody have anything else that they feel like we just got to talk about in the in this uh, ep? Just two movies. Okay. Uh, Massive talent uh, with Nick Cage. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. It was a weird movie. <laughs> it was I haven't checked it out shit. yet. It's so strange, man. But I, I kind of liked it, I guess. It, it started to come together in a third act somehow. And then Cha-Cha Real Smooth, talked about it at South by Southwest, is, is coming to Apple TV on the 17th. So Dolby Vision, Dolby Atmos, beautiful movie. See it. It's really well done. I mean, we I raved about it before. Uh, go listen to that uh, South by Southwest coverage. But yeah, Cha Cha real smooth. And what was the second that's one? A, oh, that's just a massive talent and Cha Cha. Uh, massive real talent, smooth. right, right, right. And massive yeah, talents yeah. on on VOD. VOD, Cha Cha real smooth on Apple TV Plus. Um, yeah. That's John, it. you got anything? Did you watch anything? I mean, I mostly have been going back and because uh, Nikki came in and saw me watching some of uh, the Boys season three. Oh, right, right, right. And she was like should I be watching this show? You know? And so I was like, yeah, you might like it. If, and then, uh, we, so we started watching it again from season one oh, and, wow. um, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it the first time I watched it, but I feel like it kind of went past me somehow. Like I thought it was good, but it just was like, oh yeah, that thing they're doing that thing. Yeah, I feel yeah. like now I value it more because maybe <laughs> I've seen a little bit more. I think before when I watched it, I had not seen all the Marvel attempts to do superhero television. I had not seen, right, right. I mean, honestly, um, Peacemaker is the best show out of all the Marvel or DC shows. Peacemaker's the best show, in my opinion, hands down. The one that succeeded the best as a show and as an extension of what was going on. And then I watched mm -hmm. something like The Boys, and I'm just like, you know how we've been saying about all these shows that don't feel like they're trying to compete with prestige television? The Boys yeah. feels like it is trying to compete with prestige television. I mean, oh, whatever sure, you yeah. want to say about that, the, the the writing, the directing, the visuals, the effects, I, I kind of am echoing what I said last time. But watching it again from the beginning, I really valued even more now the sort of commentary on you know, corporate superheroes and stuff like that. I mean, it's not that's not a subtle show, but that's kind of what is great about it. Um, is, is it 
you know, it does have things going on under the surface, but it's not going to let you miss uh, the implications of something. And I know last time I mentioned Game of Thrones, how it's like Game of Thrones, you watch it feeling like, oh, you're getting to see if you're watching Lord of the Rings and you wonder why nobody just tells someone to fuck off or why, you know, why there are fewer beheadings or whatever. <laughs> um, I think The Boys does that. It, it's like it's so much in dialogue with all the superhero stuff that we're watching. So, yeah, I've kind of been in that world since we talked last week. Um, but really seeing Nikki kind of discover it because there's so many moments in that show that are kind of fun to realize someone doesn't know that are coming. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> you know? right. Um, anyway, I... Uh, been enjoying that. Did it? Did everybody catch up with that? Should we? Should we close out with uh, with the, the newest boys? Did anybody? You guys can chat about it. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it yet. We don't necessarily need to do it. I think that um, we'll catch up at some point. Uh, you know, in the next couple of weeks, and maybe definitely before the season's out, we'll 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 have a a, a three way sort of spoiler with that show. If you say three way anything, it sounds like you're talking about something dirty. But we'll have a <laughs> yeah. a, a spoilery conversation where we're we're all caught up. You know, because um, it gets a little tricky figuring out how to talk about it. Um, yeah. But I would say okay. if people are, are watching the show week to week, um, the episode that comes out this week is is it's sort of a um, kind of a plot thickening episode. Um, uh, the next episode is the one that's got Herogasm in it. And that's as far as I've gotten in the season. I still have two left to watch. So, cool. <laughs> um, and I guess, I don't know, should we uh, give a couple minutes to anything else? I mean, I assume you guys have watched Miss Marvel and Obi-Wan Kenobi. I know those are our usual kind of check ins. But, um, you know, if we want to leave them for another time, we can. <clears throat> How are you feeling about it, Steve? You want to talk about it next next episode? What do you, what do you think? I mean, we could mention it if you guys want to say anything real quick. I mean, I would say in general, I think Obi-Wan's episode was better than last week. But I still I still am not like in love with the show like I thought I would be. Um, and then on the opposite, I had no expectations for Miss Marvel and I'm loving that show. I'm a- I'm loving it. Ba da ba ba ba. I'm loving it. <laughs> yep, I'm that's loving it. it. I think this episode went even more in the direction of what we loved about the first one, getting Kamala's character in there and finding about her family and her friends and seeing the different shades of people's totally. personalities. Um, but also, um, I enjoyed the fact that this week I thought the superhero stuff was beautifully integrated with the real life stuff yeah. in a way yeah. that really made me happy. Whereas I said last time, I felt like I was watching a show I really enjoyed about her. And then when she had powers, I was less engaged by that particular thing. But watching her, I know we've seen it before, but there was something so fun and cool about the way that they showed her learning <laughs> her powers. I think it's because they have not yet, and maybe they will at some point, depict her in a way that we're supposed to think she looks cool. But I really yeah. enjoy that we are allowed to view her as kind of awkward. And even when she's doing the right thing, she's not like this presence that shows up that's got it all together. You know, yeah, she's, yeah, yeah. She's, a, yeah. she's still using the costume that she she put together for the convention. Um, and she's as invested in like the cute boy at school as she is in the superhero stuff. I just think it's, yeah, it's a good mix. This episode really yeah. upped the ante on what was good about the first one. Um, and I, I kind of agree with you, Steve. I thought this episode of Obi-Wan was, was a little stronger overall. Like it felt kind of good, but... I'm so, I mean, there's, you know, without getting too much into the plot details, I think they did a, a there were some things in this episode that made me wonder why they didn't get to certain things sooner in the show. Um, I, I think the storyline, what we were saying last time about if this is, if this was a, if this was a movie and you were this far into it percentage wise, and this was still like where the story was going, you'd be saying there's no story to this movie. Right. And, totally. and this doesn't want to be an episodic show where it's an adventure of the week. 
but it also yeah. does not have like a six hour story that it's been telling. And I feel like yeah. this episode, it didn't, it's not like this episode did a lot to damage the character of Obi-Wan Kenobi, but this episode on top of all the other stuff had me going like, what has he ever done that was right? Like this guy has messed up so many things and like, like the mistake he makes, like literally, I guess jump ahead the, you know, click, click the forward button a couple times if you don't want to hear this folks, but he, he comes up with a plan this week of how to deal with Darth Vader. And the plan is literally, I will run away and you'll stick around and fight Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah. And he gets a person to agree to that. Yeah. And and then Bad we see him choice. like doubting that choice later, like, oh, maybe I didn't do it. It's like, what the fuck? I don't know. I, I think that they have, I don't think they know what they're doing. I mean, I honestly don't know what the last episode can possibly be to tie all these elements together. And I also think that, um, that somehow when they, you know, that whatever knob they turn for the de-aging technology they use when they want to do a flashback, there was a flashback mm. this week to young, younger Obi-Wan and, and Hayden yeah. Christensen when he was still a young man. Um, they accidentally turned the dial the wrong way. Hayden Christensen looked older than I've ever seen him look <laughs> when it was supposed to be de-aged. I thought that scene was incredibly awkward. And if that was one of the big money scenes of the season, getting these two actors together again, it just, it just, I mean, it didn't, it wasn't completely lacking. It's just, it fell flat for me in the sense that we're supposed to believe Darth Vader is remembering this moment, but he doesn't remember how it turned out until the, the end of the episode. It was, mm. it was just a weird structure. It was just a really weird yeah. structure. And I continue to think that it's very messy what's going on with Darth Vader and the Inquisitors. This episode was a better episode about that hierarchy and how they work yes. together. And I think if we yeah. hadn't already seen some of the messiness of Darth Vader just kind of zipping around and popping up here and saying, don't you, don't do it. Now I want you to do it. I don't know. I think this episode yeah. in a vacuum was a better version of like that Sith evil Jedi thing of like, there, there's a lot of backstabbing going on. Um, he walked but... so fast to get, to... <laughs> he ran, he, pre... <laughs> I've never seen Darth Vader's cape move like that. Like he's just like, I'm a fuck. <laughs> it was real weird. Uh, For the first time ever he had FOMO. He didn't want to miss it. He was, he was, uh, he yeah. did not. He was like, I want to kill this person right now. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I don't know, man. Like, this is what I was talking about before where, you know, I come a little heavy handed, but yeah, Disney is in this weird position where they have our attention, right? Disney is a brand. They make incredible things. But the problem is if you have so many things happening at the same time, you have to have some sort of quality control, right? And pacing stuff like pacing, what makes television good television good like breaking bad and stuff like that and um uh the it's prequel uh better call saw pacing pacing is pacing and they don't seem to understand that that's what makes television special and, and the thing is if if you had a good editor they could take all of the footage that they have scramble it up and give us some good episodes out of that but because they've chosen sort of what they've chosen, we're gonna I, get this a lot. I feel like I feel like you're you're definitely onto something with the pacing, but I feel like it's also just like you're you talk about those two shows as your examples. Like, but the big problem though is like I think we're completely either oversold, overexpecting, or whatever the assumption is gonna be that yeah, there's gonna be a better it. story though to tell <laughs> yeah. in these shows. Right. That no right. matter how well you pace it. If the story's you got, not there, you need a good story. And like John said, what what warrants six episodes 
where, I mean, what he said is perfect in the sense that if you were watching a movie that got this far and you were say, you yeah. know, five out of six of the movie, in, you know, five, 15 minutes five, from the end of the way. Yeah. Right. You know, and you're like, how, where, what, how, where uh, it's impossible, you know, like, and that's, yeah. and I really feel like that's kind of what, you felt with the exception of really what they've done with the Mandalorian. And you could even say that about some of the, a lot of the Marvel shows too. Like it, it's still, it does that same thing where like, you know, they've, they've elongated some of these shows and seasons to lengths that it had no reason to be. And, you right. know, even these, which feel shorter in the sense that you're like, Oh yeah, Obi-Wan's over next week. Well, like how, because what has happened in the show beyond the beat of, you know, Obi-Wan is, protecting leia and darth vader is after him like that's yeah. really the beats you've experienced and there's been things that kind of have ebbed and flow out of that story path but there's no real development of that story happening in the show no. right that was all there in the first episode and exactly and the, and, and the moment they end on this week to try to create suspense it's very hard to think about it even because you know nothing happens in that story or right. at least nothing much can happen in that story. You know, there's yeah, right. it's it's kind of it's a little bit like the Better Call Saul thing of like there's only a few yeah. characters left who bad things can happen to that we don't know about because sure. we know so much. And I think with uh, you know ending this new Obi Wan on the notion of like oh wait what if somebody finds out about Luke it's like well but we know that nobody important does find out about Luke mm. because Luke ten years later is a farm boy who doesn't know anything about what's going on. Um, yeah, they've already right. they've already come very close to kind of breaking the story a little bit with Leia having this yeah. adventure Awareness, with Obi Wan, yeah. but you can still I think there's still the possibility that you would now watch a New Hope and moments would hit you different, but it it wouldn't feel wrong. I, I don't know if I'm if I'm correct about that, but no, no I, I, I get what you're saying. But I think that there is something very strange about yes, the next episode of Obi Wan could be an awesome episode. It could have some crazy turn of events in it. Maybe Reva, she's you know it looks like they're getting ready to kind of treat treat her as a character they want to do more with. I've heard that there's talk yeah. of doing something with that. So yeah, I mean, if this is like an origin story for Reva um, and how she turns out to be whatever she turns out to be, it's a little weird that it's the Obi-Wan show. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I think I think I could greatly enjoy the next episode and still come away going, like as we've said, what was that? Yeah. Darth Vader almost called Reva a street rat. I just there's something that something is going on with this show and I can't figure out what the fuck but it is a quality thing it's a quality thing it's a pacing it's it's obviously a story thing but I you know I I've been feeling like that forever but I I don't want I don't want to keep hitting on that because I I maybe I'm like maybe it must be something else because all of these things are kind of mediocre and I'm yeah. like they're hitting us with this over and over and over again and I felt you know, when I first started saying it, it almost felt like I was just saying it because it just wasn't a movie. Right. And now I'm just saying it because I've we're we're literally watching shows that have good story, that have good pacing. And I know that Disney can do it. It's just. You know, if if this were the thing, maybe Netflix should have kept the Marvel shows, maybe they should have gave them some properties and been like, yo, what can you do with this? I mean, I think I I still think there's the possibility that they'll that they'll like 
redeem themselves eventually open up the style so that you can have a show that's made in that mold that actually has its own identity and everything and i think that yeah, they yeah. have and thus far yeah. i think we've enjoyed them because they've been enjoyable but i think usually when we're highest on these shows is in the first couple three episodes first first couple <laughs> weeks before we see that it's this trend we're talking about where right. there's just not enough story or there's too much story and you can't even really tell because it is presented in such a way that if you are feeling this way, and we're back to what Steve said about like a quality problem, you know, maybe yeah. that like You're that, right. that the the franchise don't care. The franchise is the franchise no. is the honey badger in this situation. The yeah. franchise <laughs> don't care. Like the franchise is going to keep rolling around, and the fact that or rolling along, and we're going to keep watching them theoretically because, like you said, Ronald, it's mediocre. We're talking about here. We're not talking about shitty. Um, yeah, it's just kind of middle of the road, and that's okay for some things and there's gonna be some standouts but like right now we're getting this like a lot of these middling sort of yeah almost shows. there's yeah almost there's yeah. Well, like i said that new category it that i have where it's like it's pretty good but i'm grumpy about it um yeah i think yeah these shows are between that and the mediocre the kind of you know middle ground which they just shouldn't be i think that whole thing about expectations we talk about it all the time about whether you expect too much but i think Expecting a certain quality level is not the same thing as expecting a particular plot point or a particular character to do a particular thing. I'm just yeah, expecting yeah. them to have, like, you know, we. I think this is exactly what we said. A beginning, last time. middle, and end. Well, beginning, a beginning middle, and end. Like, end. Get a writer's room that can cr that can break these stories. Like on these other, like you could start yeah. naming great television shows right now, and and we would, you know, we could go another hour. So it's strange that these shows seem to get by on like, oh, rather than getting like a great writer's room uh, that we give a lot of power and creativity to, it's more like they find these kind of team players who can craft these shows and write a lot of the scripts. Someone like John Favreau, who I do love and I enjoy yeah. his role in Star Wars, but he's a guy who's like largely responsible for some of the kind of storylines that we've seen. And I just don't think that's the same thing as like a writer's room where yeah. you know you go in there and everybody's ideas are kind of equal. It kind of feels like this yeah. is art. You know, Star Wars is a little bit on track, especially with these projects that are designed to fit in between other things that we already yes. have. I really think it might not be until we see like the supposed Taika Waititi movie or the the Brian Johnson trilogy that's supposedly still on, where we get to see these directors taking something that is pointedly outside of the stuff that we know. Because it's starting to seem like what is there to really be that excited about with Star Wars, which I hate to say, I mean, as a lifelong lover of Star Wars, but like, it's starting to seem like if they can keep doing these things where it seems like they don't really matter um, from a storytelling standpoint, then is it going to matter that much when they finally do introduce a bunch of new scenarios and new characters to us, you know? Yeah. Anyway. yeah. And because this one is the way that it is, I'm not looking forward to Andor now. Like, I'm like, is, is this the way this is going to be? Is the best I mean, part I'll, of Andor going to be the trailer? Yeah, because the trailer was great. Right, I'll, right. Yeah, I'll watch it when it comes on, but yeah. But I get what you're saying. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a lot of stuff, folks. I think we just talked about movies and some schmovies, and uh, now we can uh, saunter off into the night. Yeah. That sounds like a plan. Yeah. Or you, if or if you're John, you're sauntering off onto a nice vacation, hopefully. Yes, a visiting, mm -hmm. a tour of visiting home. <clears throat> I'll be going to a, a hotter, more humid place for a week. Sounds <laughs> amazing. I was just looking up something about Andor. I was like, didn't Tony Gilroy write that, though? Yeah. Yeah, like Tony and Dan Gilroy are involved in that. So, I mean, 
some good writers. Bo Williamson's on it as well, who yeah. did the first couple seasons of House of Cards. So, I mean, there's a little more pedigree there, hopefully. Um, but yeah, moviesreview.com is the website. You can go there, subscribe to the audio version of the podcast. Uh, all the all the all the most popular podcast platforms are there. If you're if you're on any of them, you can find the link on that page. And hopefully subscribe if you're not already subscribed. Uh, you can listen to the podcast even right there on that page if you prefer. Um, just open it in a tab in your browser. Just play it. Do your work. You know, your work day, whatever, your workout. Just listen to the pod. You know, just hang out for a bit with us. Um, and if wherever you're listening to it, you have an option to share it, review it, rate it, anything like that. Um, it'd be nice if you did. And uh, we thank you in advance for doing so. And as uh, we always say, if you want the video, which really the video is where it's at these days, guys, if you can go over to the YouTube page, which you can jump to from the, the, the main site and subscribe, turn on the alerts, the bell, click it so that you get the uh, notifications when the new episodes come out. You can uh, watch this video element. You can see this uh, in the beginning. I showed my nice little like haircut with my fade going on. Yeah, very nicely um, faded. I didn't, I didn't thank you. Thank you. Fade I, like job, I, I appreciate that, guys. Um <laughs> It's all there in the video format. Otherwise, you're just imagining what we're talking about, which, you know, <laughs> could go any which way. Um, but yeah, we'll be off next week, and then we'll get back uh, the week after, hopefully talk about Tribeca, some other things uh, that come up between now and then. Hopefully, maybe Lightyear, if we've seen that, um, comes mm. out, uh, you know, this week. Um, but we'll see when the time comes, what we talk about. Definitely Tribeca, because that'll be wrapped up, and we can kind of go over what we saw um, through that festival. But thanks for listening. I'll see you guys uh, in two weeks. And as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.